It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. According to a recent indeed survey and listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs, more visibility at indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast, indeed.com slash podcast terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed you are locked on raptors part of the locked on podcast network hey what's up welcome to episode number 557 of locked on raptors for Friday, August 23rd. I am your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, please make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network. We've got team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. We've got Locked On Fantasy Basketball getting ready for your fantasy basketball drafts. I think next week will be the beginning of the Locked On Fantasy Team previews. I'll be on one of those with Josh Lloyd. You can make sure if you are getting ready for your drafts to check out that show, and you'll get a good team-focused perspective from all the Locked On hosts in the coming weeks as well. All right, uh, on today's show, it's part two of the mailbag I did with Vivek Jacob earlier this week. We went really long with a bunch of questions, and I'm sort of veering off in a whole bunch of different paths. So I hope you enjoy it. We talked in this one about the Pascal Siakam extension question, Kyle Lowry's future with the team, a whole bunch of other stuff. It was a good one, as always, when Vivek's on. So hope you enjoy it. And without further ado, let's get to it. The second half of the mailbag with myself and Vivek. And uh, that'll be it for this week. On the other side of the weekend... We'll look more ahead to the FIBA World Cup. The Canadians play the Team USA, I believe, on Monday. So we'll talk about that game on Tuesday's show, probably. I'm away on Monday, but I'll be back Tuesday. And uh, I'll probably have three episodes next week in the four days that I'll be home. So getting close to getting geared back up here because we've got uh, media day like a month away and we'll get into a whole bunch of like preseason questions and all that good stuff as we usually do I still want to finish up the trivia tournament from a year and a half ago as well uh, so maybe I'll get that worked back in too and uh, yeah it'll be a lot of fun so thanks for listening enjoy you have a great weekend everybody and uh, enjoy the conversation with myself and in fact Jacob as we finish off the mailbag this lockdown podcast is brought to you by home chef now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down how are your resolutions coming one of mine was to order less takeout cook more at home 
but I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Anyway, next one. Uh, Anon Persaud asks, what would your ideal five-man starting lineup be and who would be the key reserves off the bench based on the roster? So I guess let's just build a nine-man rotation. Let's do that. Uh, so the starting five and the four bench dudes who you'd most rely upon. Unless you think Nick Nurse is going to go 12 deep, which I don't think he really will. Maybe he will. But I think, like, let's talk, like, first round of the playoffs. Who were the nine guys you would like to see getting run for the Raptors this year. Yeah, but see, here's the thing with Nick Nurse. It's it's entirely matchup-driven. Yeah, true. Yeah. So even when we say, what's your ideal starting five, like, I honestly think the same way we saw um, a timeshare at center during the regular season, first between Serge Ibaka and Jonas Valanciunas, and then between Ibaka and Marcus Gasol, um, I think we're going to see... Uh, a timeshare at shooting guard and depending on the matchup I think you're, you're going to have games where Fred Van Vliet starts I think you're going to have games where Norman Powell starts I think you're going to have games where they go uh, really big and OG Ananobi's playing the 2 Pascal Siakam's playing the 3 Serge Ibaka's playing the 4 and Marcus Hull's playing the 5 oh count me in for that weird shit hell yeah, yeah. And, and honestly so when we're talking about the playoffs that last lineup I mentioned, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the lineup Nick Nurse goes to um, if they were to meet Philly in the playoffs. Because mm-hmm. you think about Philly, they're going to be playing Al Horford and Embiid together. Yeah. And so, you know, that's a lineup that's tailor-made for both Ibaka and Gasol to be on the court. Mm-hmm. So, uh, And then you look at, you know, Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris and Josh Richardson. So why not go big and have OG Ananobi and have Pascal Siakam? And then, you know, and then you've got Kyle Lowry running the point. So, um, again, I think it's going to be entirely matchup driven. Uh, is going to be times where Siakam's, you know, most of Siakam's games, he's going to be at the four, obviously. Um, but again, but, but it, if things play out the way I expect with that two guard being a bit of a timeshare, then you're going to see OG play some three. I think you're going to see a lot of different lineups. And guess what? Nick Nurse has earned the license to do that. He sure has. I would say that, yeah, ideal starting five, I think if they're just going basic, like they're the lineup they'll use the most often as a starting five, I'd like to see... Kyle with Norm. I, I think Norm deserves well, at least some run. Norm yeah. You're yeah. invested in him. Just, like, see what you have. And then, like, he had a really nice season last year shooting the ball. He was, like, 40% from three. That was good. Whether he can hold that up, I don't know. But he's always been in 
a way better situation when he's like the fourth or fifth fifth option in a lineup as opposed to having to create. And he would yeah. be that, I think, if he was to start alongside Kyle and then you throw OG at the three, Siakam at the four, Gasol at the five. I don't think we're going to see much of a platoon at center this year. I just think Gasol, he, he's a little more matchup proof, I think, than, say, Valanchunas was. And I think they settled in by the end of the year. It was Gasol's job, and I think that's going to be the way it is. He was the starter throughout the playoffs as well. I think that'll be the case next year. And I think, as we'll get to in a couple questions from now, I think he's going to have a pretty pronounced role in that starting five. And then after that, whatever the matchups are, Fred's obviously like the sixth man. I think we see a lot of Terrence Davis. Maybe not at the start of the year, but everything you hear about this dude and what we saw in Summer League... And just sort of the the way draft people talk about him as though like it was insane that he didn't get drafted and like it was insane that he fell into the Raptors' laps. I kind of think by the end of the year he's going to be a part of the rotation. Surge obviously in there, and then I guess Rondé is probably the ninth guy. And then it's just like a battle among the rest of the dudes, like Matt Thomas and Stanley Johnson, to see if they can get in there. I don't think Stanley Johnson is going to be that much of a part of the team. I don't know. I hope he's not. Uh, <laughs> he's he's very bad at offense, you see. Interesting. Um, yeah, so I guess if we're projecting, say Norman Powell makes shooting guard his own. Yeah. And OG makes small forward his own. So then you're looking at uh, a predominant starting five of Lowry, Powell, OG, Siakam, and Gasol. Mm -hmm. So you've got, like you said, Fred as your sixth man, um, sort of co-sharing sixth man with uh, Serge Ibaka. Yeah. Um, Those those are your sixth and seventh man guys. And then you've got... um, yeah, I think I think Stanley Johnson's gonna get some time, man. Cause maybe I'm just trying to talk it out of existence. Cause I just I don't think he's good at all, man. They just gotta. They, I mean, I think I, I think this is going to be a very interesting experiment in terms of someone coming over from uh, a franchise that has really struggled with player development. Mm-hmm to a franchise that has become renowned for it. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be very intriguing, I think, to track what Stanley Johnson becomes as a player uh, during his time with the Raptors. Mm-hmm. And I think defensively, he can absolutely stay on the court. So it's going to be very interesting to see what they what they can do with him offensively. Obviously, Phil Handy's not around, and he's someone that helped um, the guys develop last year uh so so yeah i i I'm, I'm not uh i'm not out on stanley johnson by any means so i think there's going to be room for him for terrence davis to uh you know impress I, I i do honestly think that terrence davis and possibly matt thomas will start with a 905 and maybe have to work their way up and prove that uh they can get to the nba level mm-hmm. um and then it'll go from there uh, obviously, Patrick McCaw showed that he can be on the floor last year, so I think there's going to be an opportunity for him to play, you know, one of three different positions. And yeah, I think Rondé Hollis uh, Jefferson is going to get minutes. 
So yeah, between so that's pretty much that's pretty much the rotation. Um, Chris Boucher is gonna figure in, I think, when when there's injuries or garbage time, or you know, if he can really make an impression. Mm-hmm. And besides that, I think it's gonna be. I think it's probably gonna be tough for guys like Dewan Hernandez, maybe even a Malcolm Miller. Um, I hope Cameron Payne doesn't get on the floor. Ooh, probably, fuck. <laughs> that's probably bad news. So. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That comes uh, everyone. Yeah. I, I am interested in, like, the... There's going to be a lot of interesting, funky lineups, I think. I think Nick Nurse, especially early in the season, I think we'll see all of those guys get some run at some point, and he'll sort of refine it as the year goes along, and he's not really one to get stuck in his ways, which is good. And I know people had issues with him in the regular season last year because he didn't find set rotations, which was weird because the whole criticism of Dwayne Casey was the fact that he did get too stuck in his rotations. So I don't know what people want, but Nick Nurse clearly proved that uh, whatever he was doing last year worked pretty well. So I think give him carte blanche to be as weird and kooky and mad scientist-y as he wants this year, and that'll be all right. Um, all right, next one here comes from 40 and Dunking. Is Andrea Bargnani a sleeper pick to win Katie Heindel's NBA Summer Vacation Watch MVP? His IG has been picks from Ibiza, Ibiza sorry, for weeks now. Uh, I Katie responded, said, talk about this even though you know the answer. Obviously, it's a no. Uh, even if he's there enjoying himself at various raves, he's definitely not doing it wholeheartedly. He's just, he's like going through the motions while he's at these raves I'm sure no yeah I mean I don't think there's too much to discuss here (laughs) (laughs) oh Katie's also texting me pictures of Bill Guerin right now the uh, guy who just got named the uh, GM of the Minnesota Wild Uh, the picture the Wild posted is uh, absolutely insane of Bill Guerin and Katie has been texting me pictures of uh, Bill Guerin since, so that's fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Shouts to Katie. She'll be on the podcast soon and read Summer Vacation Watch. It sounds like Mike Scott might be threatening Serge Ibaka. Serge Ibaka should win Summer League MVP, but it sounds like Mike Scott has prolonged his vacation enough to the point that it's threatening Serge Ibaka. Whether that threatens the future NBA champion Philadelphia 76ers in the regular season. I'm not sure, but I think they'll be just fine. Uh, by the way, that's I think I'm picking the Sixers to win the title. I think I've come around on this. The Sixers are going to win the NBA championship? Yeah, I kind of think they are. Joel Embiid rules, and they're going to rest him this year, I think. I think they're going to be smart. And Ben Simmons is also very talented, even though people get really hung up on the one thing. The one thing is obviously very important, but he's really, really good at lots of other things, including defense, and they're going to be insane on defense. And we just watched a very insane on defense team win the title. Joel Embiid's awesome. I think Horford's dope. And uh, yeah, I think I kind of want... I, I don't, I'm not saying I want them to. I kind of think the Sixers are going to win the title. And um, this is where I'm planting my flag, at least on August 21st. Hmm. <laughs> You sound very convinced. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, uh, I think I think they're going to be great defensively. I think if they can find someone that can be a go-to scorer for them late in games, mm-hmm. that'll be a huge development for them. But I think that's the one thing they miss 
by Jimmy Butler's exit. Yeah. And I think that is something that, as we saw, can be extremely valuable in the postseason. Um, and Philly saw that firsthand with four bounces. So Remember that yeah. time when the Raptors won the title? That was dope. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, I, I I think I think if there's an Achilles heel for them, it's it's just that late shot maker, and I would I don't know, man. I kind of think uh, I think I, I kind of think it's it's going to LA next year. The Clippers. I think I think one one of the LA teams. I don't know which one. Man, I was listening to uh, noted Lakers podcast, the Hoop Collective, today. Uh, that <laughs> Lakers roster, man, God, it. I love the top two guys, and Danny Green's an excellent, perfect fit. But after that, with the boogie injury, which sucks so much ass, but. It's just a like I don't think Kyle Kuzma's that good. I'm not a Kuzma guy at all. I think he's uh, someone who Lakers fans have built up to be something much more than he is, which uh, Lakers fans tend to tend to do with most of their guys. Um, KCP sucks. Avery Bradley is actively off. They have a lot of just like actively bad players on their team, and I think that will come to haunt them in the playoffs. I think we learned, I think we've learned from the Warriors more than anything that like to really be a team that can win a title and the Raptors were this as well you can't have any glaring liabilities on the floor and you have to have good players everywhere and I just don't think the Lakers are going to be able to do that I think they will lose to either like the Jazz or to the Clippers which is probably more likely at some point in the playoffs I think the Clippers are all should probably be the favorites to win the title as well I just think the West is going to be such a just mean fight in the playoffs it's just gonna suck and i think they probably come out worse for it on the other side and i don't think they're super deep either and ivica zubac is kind of shitty as the starting center and i know harold's there but you know i don't know they're not super deep i, I think the sixers are uh terrifying so maybe this is just me having deep deep reverence for joel Embiid, who uh while while with the shits almost beat the raptors single-handedly so uh <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, we can talk about that stuff a month or two from now, but uh, it's just something I was thinking about today. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring, but for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Anyway, next question here. This one comes from Jessica Jade. Uh, Will the Raptors re-sign Kyle Lowry? If so, when will they make the offer? 
I don't think they're going to really consider that until the end of this season, I would think, and they sort of put their ducks in a row and realize what their cap space is going to be. I don't know. Do you disagree? Do you think there's maybe like an extension they could offer him where they'd give him an extra year or two on top of what he has? It's kind of tricky because I don't think you want to see Kyle Lowry walk away. I think if they had their druthers, he would finish his career as a Raptor, but maybe he thinks he's got one last big payday out there and it won't be viable for the Raptors to do that. I don't know. Were you on the Lowry re-signing thing? Yeah, I'd be highly surprised if they made him an offer before the season began. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they will just play out the season and see how it goes especially I think they'll want to see where they're where the team's at in December Jan mm-hmm. um, you know I think it's important for Kyle Lowry to be here and uh, see that banner go up and be the first one to receive a ring and play the Christmas game here but after that I think Masai is going to weigh his options I don't think you know, you, when you look at Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka and Marcus Gasol and Fred VanVleet, I don't think he's he's he, he's going to allow himself to lose all four of them for potentially nothing. Mm-hmm. So, um, depending on where the Raptors are at, um, I think at the very least they need to be competing for home court advantage uh, for him to be convinced of riding the wave and just going into the postseason and seeing how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but if for whatever reason they're not I think he will be very open to trading one of Gasol and Ibaka and potentially seeing what's out there for Kyle because um, again those guys have added value now as being veterans that have won a championship yeah and, and, and people will look at what the Raptors uh, did to get over the hump by, by getting Gasol at the trade deadline and think and think that they might be able to do the same in getting a Gasol or potentially getting a Kyle. So, um, yeah, I, I would love to see Kyle finish his career in Toronto. If if they can have a, a nice run, um, potentially, you know, say they say they get to the second round and they get Milwaukee or Philly and give them uh, a run for their money, and then you go into the off season and see where Kyle's at in terms of offers and you can keep him uh, whether it's another two or three year deal that helps him finish his career here I think that would be uh, the dream scenario um, but you know at the end of the day as we've seen the last few off seasons the NBA is a business mm-hmm. and franchises are going to do what they need to do and players are going to do what they want to do so yeah yeah all well taken points. Uh, next question here, also from Jessica Jade. When will the Raptors offer Pascal his extension? Will they offer it at all? Uh, where do you, where do you kind of come down on this? Obviously, the deadline I believe is like the thirtieth of October or something like that. Or I don't know if it's changed with the season getting bounced back. Uh, it's around when the season starts. Do you think they offer Pascal an extension, or do they just like kick it down the road and figure it out next summer, even if he hits RFA? I think they will kick it down the road. Um, I think Masai will be intent on keeping Pascal Siakam in Toronto. Yeah. And I think they, I think Masai and Pascal have 
a strong enough relationship mm-hmm. where Siakam's not going to feel disrespected or anything like that in terms of getting an offer. I think, you know, if Masai has an honest conversation with him and says, hey, you know, this is what we would, this is frankly just what we need to do in terms of managing the cap and whatnot, then I think Siakam will be understanding of that and, and, and know that you know that the the offer is coming. So yeah, yeah. Again, another one that I'd, I'd be I'd be I'd be a little surprised, um, less less so than Kyle Lowry if if, if an extension offer came uh, before the deadline. But uh, I do expect him. Uh, I definitely expect him to remain in Toronto for the next while. Yeah, and I don't think there's much risk attached to him hitting RFA either because they'll match any offer sheet because they'd probably pay whatever the team is offering anyway on that max. Exactly. So there's not really any risk involved in kicking it down the road. And I think if you're Pascal and you fancy yourself the face of the franchise going forward, which he should, I I think it's in his own personal interest to be patient with it as well. Obviously the security and, and, you know, if he's worried about injury and stuff like that, I mean, maybe that factors into the thing and he wants to get it locked up right away, then that would make sense. But I also get the sense that like, even if he were to get hurt this year, he's done enough that he would still get paid by the Raptors anyway. Then they would take care of their own guy, not just because he's great, but also because that's a really shitty thing to do. If you're trying to build your perception as a franchise to not pay a dude because he got hurt in his last year after not giving him an extension, that would be pretty gross. And so I don't think there's a lot of risk for Pascal to not, or to, to just like be okay with kicking it down the road, I think. And if you're, again, if he's the face of the franchise going forward, it's in his personal interest probably to see where the things are at next summer. And if it's beneficial to the team for them to keep the cap hold only on the books for next year, and wait to slot his new deal in until after they do whatever maneuvering they're going to do next summer. Which, again, like the free agency class sucks, so maybe there's not much to do. But still, it makes a lot more sense order of operations-wise if you're going to get the money anyway to maybe just wait. And I think Pascal, it would be in his interest to realize that. So, yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't worry about losing Pascal Siakam if that is at all what is behind this question. Uh... Couple more, and we can get out of here. Uh, this will be a two-parter, obviously, because this is not very long. But uh, question uh, comes from at Ray at Raymond Flores. Excluding the obvious Game Seven shot, Media Day laugh, or the countless Buck Series dunks, what's your favorite personal, uh, what's your personal favorite uh, slash most memorable Kawhi moment from the past year? Most memorable Kawhi moment from the past year. Um, you know, I, th- I think I'll go with game four in Philly mm-hmm. when he knocked down the three over Embiid mm-hmm. <laughs> with the shot winding down. And because... I remember, you know, the feeling after that game three, after Philly blew them out, um, and the and the way, the way that game was going, the way that game four was going, you know, I was genuinely nervous that the Raptors season was coming to an end. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think for him to kind of hit that miracle shot, I mean, it was basically an MJ shot that that turned the game around basically turned the series around. I, I, I know 
I know obviously the bounce shot is the one that everyone remembers, but for me, I think uh, I think that uh, hitting that shot with the shot clock winding down over Embiid, um, I think that was the that was the one that really turned around the season. Yeah, it's hard to argue with. Uh, for me, off the court, it's probably when the Lakers reporters were asking him about Christmas. Uh, that was great, <laughs> and, and asking about the weather, and he was just very blunt with it. I also, man, when he was on How Hungry Are You, I think it kind of got lost because it was right before the playoffs and the playoffs swept us up. But, man, that was really cool to see him kind of just be his dry, hilarious self in a sort of prolonged setting. It was like 20 minutes of him just talking with Serge. And that was really cool. I I really enjoyed that to kind of get a a glimpse of what he's like just when he's talking to his teammates and just hanging out. Because I don't feel like he was putting on any sort of front for the camera. I don't think that's the kind of guy he is. We were just seeing Kawhi. That was fun. Um, On the court, I'm going to say one that you didn't mention is when he dunked on Joel Embiid in Game 5 of the Eastern Conference Semifinals. Uh, This was after he dunked on Tobias Harris and, uh, God, who's the other guy he dunked on? He dunked on two guys. Uh, Mike Scott, maybe? I don't know. He dunked on two dudes at once at the end of the first half, and then in the third quarter, he dunked on Joel Embiid in that blowout win, and that was awesome. That dunk on Embiid, I believe, is in the book. There's a, like, the uh, in We the Champs. I think there's a, a, a screen cap of that, and that is dope. It's awesome. And that's uh, right up there. Also, the last 231, or whatever it was, of Game 6 against the Bucks when they're down, 76-61. And he just decides, okay, this is my game now. And he scored 10 points and set up the other bucket they got to close out the quarter. And uh, that stretch made me feel pretty confident the Raptors were winning that game, even though they were still trailing going into the fourth. So those ones, for sure, man. You know, I I, I do want to say what would have hands down been my most memorable moment, Mm. if if it just ended the right way was that personal run that he went on against the Warriors in Game 5. Oh my god, yes. Because the building in that moment, when when Nick Nurse called the timeout, like, everyone felt like the championship was, was coming right then and there. Yeah. I remember, I, I remember, you know, I happened to be lucky enough where we were located, right above us, was you know Sonny Weems and JYD and all those and I looked up and those guys were celebrating like they'd won the title <laughs> and obviously it didn't end <laughs> uh, well from there but if they that run could have been the one to clinch the title that easily would have been the most memorable yeah, that was bonkers, man. Uh, I ultimately, I think I've said this before, I'm glad they didn't win Game 5, even though it was at home. It would have been really weird to have a championship celebration going on while Bob Myers is crying in the back. Uh, that would have yeah. been a very sort of bizarre and sort of icky circumstance, especially with, like, and I know it wasn't everybody, but, like, the cheering for KD's injury and stuff. They would have felt like a gross yeah. kind of, like... No, it wasn't, as I wrote, I think, in the book. It was not a night worthy of a championship. And I think the way it happened in Game 6 with Kyle, and I think, I can't remember who made this point. I think it might have been uh, one of the Sportsfeld guys was talking about how Game 6, the really cool thing about that game is that, like, Kawhi didn't really go off. The thing about that game was that it was the 
homegrown guys more than anything who were amazing in that game. Gasol, I think, only had like two points, if that. Um, but Siakam and Kyle both had 26. Fred obviously did his thing. And it was and then, the guys who had kind of been there a long time, and I think Ibaka too, who had gone through the LeBron losses and all that stuff, who really kind of carried them to that win. And as much as obviously Kawhi was the reason they ever had a shot at winning the title, it was really cool that those guys were the ones that closed it out with such amazing performances. And I think that was a bit more of a fitting end. And uh, closing out Oracle Arena was pretty damn cool too. Uh, <laughs> so, man, what a treat this season was. An absolute gift. The very, very best. Um, I th- there was one other question. I can't find it. For so- Oh, here it is. Also from Ray. Uh, with 20-plus shots up for grabs next season, who do you think benefits the most slash will see the greatest jump in production compared to last year? Pascal, OG Fred, new signings. Is Mark Gasol going to quietly have a great year? Uh, we can wrap it with this one, Vivek. How do you think those 20-plus shops are going to be divvied about and uh, who will be most positively impacted by that increase in volume? Most positively impacted? I mean, based on his words, it's going to be Fred Van Vliet. Because huh. he's talked about how he's coming for those 20-plus shots that are available now. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, and I'm sure, I'm sure Mr. Bet on Yourself and Secure the Bag is very aware that he's in a contract year. So, um, I think he will be a beneficiary, um, arguably the main beneficiary. I think, you know, in terms of just eating up shots, I think that's, that's where, uh, that's why Nick Nurse has talked about the idea of uh, starting both Ibaka and Gasol and playing Siakam at the three. Because mm-hmm. um, let, let's not forget, when Ibaka was a starter, he had multiple 30-point games last season. Um, yeah, that dude's okay shooting. <laughs> yeah, and guess what? That 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 pick and roll between him and Kyle, uh, he he's he's probably gonna shoot it every time. So, um, I think he's he's another one that'll be a big beneficiary. Uh, and then yeah, I mean, relative to last season, OG is the other guy, right? So, mm-hmm. so yeah, that, that's what what it comes down to. Um, I think for me, uh, uh, I'll probably stick with that order, Fred, um, Serge, and then OG. So I'm a little different. I think, first of all, Pascal's obviously, I think, going to see an uptick. I think his usage will be close to probably 30%, and that'll be good. And whether he can carry over the 63% true shooting, it's probably not likely. But if he can be high 50s, low 60s, that would be uh, probably better than you could even expect, really. But that would be great. Um, I think for me, Gasol is going to be a dude who I think they asked to do a lot more. Obviously, with the team he was inserted into last year, he didn't really have the onus to have to go out and get buckets. He did it a couple times in the playoffs when it was needed, and he was okay shooting threes and happy to jack him up half the time in the playoffs, and the other time we were pulling our hair out because he wasn't. But I think like the drop-off, he averaged... 12.9 shots a game for Memphis last year. That went to 7.2 with the Raptors. And yes, there was uh, significantly less uh, minutes played. He dropped like 10 minutes uh, ten minutes a game played. But per 36, he was still down from 13.8 to 10.4 shots per 36. And I think we'll see that tick back up to typically where it's been with Memphis because he will be 
probably close to the third option, if not the very clear third option in the team. And I, I think that's just the, he'll benefit from that. And hopefully we see a bit more aggression from him. His touch around the basket's not amazing, but that's never really been his bag. He's been a very good, you know, sort of... His offense comes in weird ways, right? Like, he's a pretty good finisher on the roll, I suppose. I guess his post-up's a little bit clanky here and there, but um, I just think we'll see him shoot more. I think he'll bomb a bunch of threes this year, too. I wouldn't be surprised if he sets, like, a career high for three-pointers attempted or anything like that. Uh, And I think Kyle. I think Kyle's going to kind of take back a bit of the control of the offense, and maybe this is a bad thing for his, like, durability or whatever. I don't think we'll see him get back to, like, 2015-16 levels or 16-17 or anything like that, but... I do think we'll see him sort of take back a little bit of the offense to himself. He was, uh, let's see the number here, blah, blah, blah. per 36 last year, he attempted 12 shots a game as opposed to 13 and a half the year before. I think he can go back up to about 14 or so, maybe even 14 and a half in this offense, and that will be good because he's very efficient usually, and... I guess the three-point percentage will have to uptick from what it was last year where he dropped it down to 34.7, but his body of work suggests that he's a much better three-point shooter than that, so I would expect that it will go up. Um, so yeah, those are my answers. Gasol and Lowry, I think your answers are also very good. I don't know how Serge Ibaka could take more shots than he did last year, but uh, I'm ready to see him try because it's fun. <laughs> um, I think that's probably going to do it for this episode, though. We've gone... A very long time. Again, thanks for listening to both parts of this episode because I did break it into two. Uh, Vivek, thanks for coming on, man. It's, it was good to chat. It's been a while. I'm glad we could go for yeah. a little while here. Uh, anything that you would like to plug right now? Just uh, my Team Canada coverage, uh, my FIBA World Cup coverage. Uh, you can check that out at Yahoo Sports Canada. Uh, be sure to check out the Raptors Over Everything pod uh, and everything that Will is doing as well. And, you know, on top of just covering Team Canada, we'll be staying on top of everything that Mark Basal is doing for Spain. Mm. So you can check that out as well. Sounds good, man. You guys do amazing work over there. It's uh, it's quite a, quite a staff Dan Tolman has built. And you guys kick ass. Uh, you can find yeah. me at Woodley Sean. Subscribe, rate, review this podcast. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Himalaya, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, also, I host the Canadian Elite Basketball League's podcast, and I did a preview of Championship Weekend, which is coming up this weekend in Saskatoon. Uh, you can watch all the games, uh, the two semifinal games on Saturday, and the final, it's a Final Four knockout tournament. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you can watch all those games at cbcsports.ca or the CBC Gem app or cbl.tv if you're interested in that. Uh, and I'll have a podcast next week recapping all the things that went down for the first championship weekend in the CEBL. Uh, it's a really fun league. You should check it out. If you have been apprehensive about getting into it and you're looking for something to fill your weekend uh, hoops-wise, I cannot possibly recommend the CEBL enough. And, uh, yeah, by the we, by we the Champs, you can do that still. Uh, and, I, 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 yeah, I think that's all I have to plug right now. I haven't done anything for two weeks. I got nothing to plug. <laughs> so... <laughs> Stay tuned for the Ranking Every Raptor update. That'll come out in the next couple weeks as well. And uh, thank you so much for listening to Locked On Raptors. It's been a treat to be back. Uh, thanks for putting up with my very, very long vacation. And we will talk to you next time with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Sweet. Thanks, buddy. That was great. Hey, Prime members. 
You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.